Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Welcome to TFS pod number 85. Are we there yet? No, but we're close. Preseason NFL is in full swing, and shocker, the Lions even found a way to blow a game when they don't count. R.I.P. to Pete Carroll, Carrill, I should say, longtime Princeton coach, almost architect of the first 16-1 upset, creator of the Princeton offense, and that 16-1 upset, do yourself a favor, it was in the early mid-90s, Princeton almost beat Georgetown, um, well before UMBC beat Virginia, but I digress. LSU quarterback Miles Brennan, mic drop, Manti Teo, Netflix documentary is coming out. Is it catfishing or was it bullshitting? You decide. Can someone get Deshaun Watson a PR person? I mean, the inability to apologize at the moment these days by programs, by players, by whatever, is hideous. And T minus 11 days. Let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, uh, I will start with something you just touched on. Miles Brennan uh, just brought up in my head, read read a good story on The Athletic. Um, I believe it was by by Brody Miller here. He just kind of wrote about Miles Brennan and his, you know, him stepping away from football and kind of his path and stuff like that. Just made me think, uh, something we probably talked about in the past, it's been a while, we've done so many of these, but that's just stars when it comes to recruiting um, and recruiting rankings. Do they matter for talk, for people's you know jobs with the media? Yeah, of course. For fans to get up, something up in arms about, get Twitter wars about? Yeah, sure. Other than that, it doesn't matter. It's what you do when you're on the field in college. It's producing. It's staying injury-free. It's making the right decisions. It's doing all that stuff. And this is a guy, Miles Brennan. He, it, it says in here, he, one of the most unfortunate stories of how a college football career can go awry. So this guy came in in 2017 class. Um, just a top 200 recruit, four-star, um, you know, really good quarterback, came in, um, Les Miles, played for three, it would, would have been three different coaches um, if he would played the season for Brian Kelly, um, three or four different offensive coordinators. He had like six or seven other quarterbacks come in while he was in there, and he's ranked this high. It just shows that it doesn't matter. You can have Joe Burrow, who was never played at Ohio State, comes in and was great. Um, at LSU, um, and people thought that he was bad, you know, because he wasn't starting at Ohio State, and then he goes to LSU as an average year, then it's really good. Um, so it doesn't matter. It's what you do when you're on the field. It's, no, it's nothing to do with stars. This guy could have had all the talent in the world in high school and all the potential in the world, um, and he only started like three or four games in his whole career um, at LSU and was maybe going to be the starter, and then um, 
BK told him, nope, you're not going to get it. So he decided to walk away and um, focus on other things. But apparently he's still going to get his NIL crap, which is absolute BS. Shouldn't. Yeah. Not going to play. It just makes me think. I don't know. On one hand, he's a, a an image of how it should be. Don't transfer, work hard, toil, make it to the top. On the other hand, it's like he basically got to the very end and he just quit. Any you know, well, kept saying in this article, and they're talking to him at the Manning Passing Academy. I love the challenge. I don't run away from things. Well, it seems like he did, pal. Yeah. How does that hold up in a job interview in the real world? I mean, I hope he kind of gets takes the year, maybe gets his head straight, and he goes and transfers and finishes out somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes hey, they happen at Michigan State a lot. There were a lot of next great things that I remember. I mean, Ryan Van Dyke was supposed to be the next great thing. Is who Ryan is named after? Damian Terry. Damian Terry. We all wanted him. You supposed? I mean, it happens, right? Especially at quarterback, it happens. And here's the thing: is if you're at a good program, and Michigan State's doing it now, they're not just settling for three-star recruits or the guys like Cousins, who was you know a, a diamond in the rough. Um, you know, a hidden gem, they're going after four- and five-star quarterbacks. And when you get a pile of four- and five-star guys, you're going to have to fight for your time. And that's the difference is coaches have to figure out how to find the guys that will truly fight for the time and climb through and claw through and persevere and who's going to be the ones that flash in the pan and wash out. Because there's probably a lot more four- and five-stars that get passed over early on the depth chart that wash out than actually fight and end up being something. All right, for my podium, you could this could have easily been a tee-up, but Ryan's got a more appropriate tee-up. But I just got to say to the PGA, what on earth are you doing that you had a rules official, I believe, if I understand this correctly, the time that this happened there, and Cam Smith didn't even know he did anything wrong, and yet the next morning when he's, you know, Got to the course and he's getting ready. They readjusted tee times and everything, and or no, they didn't readjust pairings. Uh, they did not do that, but they assessed him a two-stroke penalty. He goes from two strokes out of the lead to four strokes out of the lead. Didn't really have his stuff. Apparently has a hip injury. Don't know. We'll talk more about live and golf in the golf section. But like, you literally have rules officials everywhere. PGA, you couldn't figure that out on the spot, or better yet. Why do you have to have the ability to go back after the fact and assess a penalty? Because a lot of times, I don't think this was the case of it, but a lot of times you'll hear stories of a viewer saw something on super slow-mo and called it in and said that should have been a penalty. What the hell? It's not my place or Ryan's place or any other golf fan's place to call in and say, oh, you know, you missed one on cam. Because, look, the rules of golf, if you've never read the handbook, are pretty freaking complex. And yes, these guys are professionals. Yes, between there and their caddies, they should know. But there's a reason where there's a walking rules official on every hole on a golf course at a tournament, especially a playoff tournament. Like, if you don't get it right in real time, and you can't get it right immediately after a round, I'm sorry, but your uh, statute of limitations is done, in my opinion. I don't think Cam Smith would have won anyway, but it makes a big difference in a, you know, mindset-wise to go from two back to four back knowing that you're scratching and clawing anyway because it's always harder to come from behind. I Just like PGA, get your stuff together. Uh, and I've heard of even some rules issues on the live tour. Like, I don't know if USGA, you just need to simplify your rules. I don't know. I mean, like I would have known that rule of having to make sure that you complete your drop outside the hazard area. I mean, what's, what's the point of that rule anyway? So he dropped it and he was still on the hazard line. 
if you're in the quote unquote hazard as marked, isn't that probably worse territory than out of the hat? I, I don't, I don't understand the semantics of the some of the rules for starters. But my bigger beef is why the PGA couldn't get that right on the spot or address him after the round. Because technically, if he signed for an incorrect scorecard and he wasn't and he didn't assess himself the penalty, shouldn't he have been DQ'd by rules? Chris, you would know this. You can text me and tell me after you listen to the podcast tomorrow. Um, I, I just I'm at a loss for, you know, there's so many ways to see things. It's like we splice and dice the hair, the fine hairs of college and pro football, and even baseball and all these sports now with with video replays. Whatever happened to the human element? Like there's a, there's an extent that we shouldn't and a line we shouldn't cross. This is crossing the line. Like Cam Smith for potentially going to live or not. No golfer should have to come to the golf course the next day thinking you're in contention to all of a sudden you're twice as far back as you were before, period. All right, Ryan, who are we teeing up this week? Uh, this week's tee up, we are going to tee up Lions fans. Um, saw this on social media earlier, so Jared Goff's fiance said that uh, when golf was playing bad last year, which is most of the season, to be quite frank with you, um, she was getting death threats via social media. Oh, great. You're death, sending death threats to a quarterback's future wife. That's great, Lions fans. How psychotic are great. people? Good luck, guys. This is ridiculous. This kind of crap needs to stop. These are what the same people, people are that, these? you know, I'm not even going to get into the political stuff. No, so I could say a lot of different things. But, like, people like that need to be put in prison with a lot of other people that I don't like. Because you're a waste of space in society. You're going to threaten somebody's wife let alone the player themselves. You're going to threaten their wife over a quarterback? And if you bet in the kind of money like most Lions fans probably don't have and you lost your house because of it, that's your own freaking problem, dude. Like, grow up. It's a game. It's a sport. I get it. We all live and die with our teams, but we're not threatening life and death on people. You want to threaten somebody? Go right up to Jared Goff and say it to his face. Your ass will be on the ground in two seconds. And, oh, by the way, all of his offensive linemen will be there to pound on your ass, too. Like, you're going to take the puss move and you're going to go after his wife? That's even a bigger BS move. And another reason in my feather in my cap for why I don't want to be a Lions fan anymore. Not that it doesn't happen everywhere else. All right, Ryan. Moving on. We got four downs again this week, as we will for most of football season. In case, you know, once in a while maybe we'll throw an overtime in there, I guess. Or, uh... You know, a fifth down, ask Missouri what that's all about against uh, Colorado, uh, or Colorado what that's all about against Missouri, whichever way fan side you want to look at it. First down, we're going to wrap up our Big Ten previews. <laughs> Ryan, you're going to go first, give number one in the West, I'm going to give number one in the East, then we're going to give you a little bit of recap of how Ryan picked the West and how I picked the East. Go. Uh, yeah, so number one in the West, if we were keeping the score at home, there's only one team left, and that's the Wisconsin Badgers. Um yeah, could be an interesting team um, this fall. Pull up my little info here on the Badgers. So here's the trend. So five-year trend. 2017, they went 13-1. 2018, 8-5. 2019, 10-4. 2024, and 3. And 2021, last year they went 9-4. Uh, Paul Christ um, hired a new offensive coordinator. I believe he played for Wisconsin, did he not? Ingram. 
Is that his name? His last name? Bobby Ingram? Bobby Ingram. I yeah. think he played at Penn State. Oh, I thought he played Wisconsin for some reason. I think he was a wide receiver at um, Penn State. But, yeah, he's, he comes in. Um, they need it. They need a change because their offense is boring. It's probably going to be boring again. Um, but they do return. A two-headed monster at tailback. That's where we're going to start. Braylon Allen. He was 17 years old last year. Had over 1,000 yards rushing. He's a bull. He's I believe he's from New Jersey. Shocker. They always go into New Jersey and get some stud running back. They've done it for years. And this kid... Is uh, he's gonna have a really big year? They're probably gonna ride him, um, you know, um, um, you know, and, and and just give him a lot of carries. Probably twenty five plus a game. And then they have Ches Malusi, who was close to a thousand yard rusher last year. He had five touchdowns, um, and got hurt toward the end of the season. So they have kind of a two headed monster back there. Um, their issue is quarterback. So it's Graham Mertz. He's back. He had that great game to start off twenty twenty. I think he was like nineteen of twenty for like 350 and three touchdowns or something. Then he got COVID, and then after that he's been terrible in-game. He's been pretty bad. Um, they need him to step up because last year was underwhelming, um, and they went 9-4, and four, still a pretty decent season, but not for Wisconsin seniors. They in the are, West, that's, that's 10, nothing. 10-plus wins every year is what they should should be their measuring stick. That's what they usually do, um, especially in the West. Like you said, Iowa was not great. I mean, defensively, yeah, but not offensively. Kind of a similar team. Um in that matter, but he needs to step up this year because if he doesn't, it's going to be a lot of the same thing. A really good run game with a good line and not much going with the pass game. The defense is pretty decent. It's probably going to get them 9-3, um, 10-2, which is which I'll get to here in a second. But he does have some decent receivers. So Chamir DK, he's pretty pretty speedy guy. He's back there. He's the best returning wide receiver. And this guy, Skylar Bell, I've heard his name in some podcasts. They're saying he's been showing out. Um, since spring ball, so keep an eye on that name. Marcus Allen, um, I believe that he's a redshirt freshman this year. He's a name to watch, pretty big receiver, 6'3". Um, then they got Keontes Lewis from UCLA. He's a receiver. Hopefully it makes some noise for him. Um, then they have Cle- they always have a great tight end as well, um, going back you know, to the who, – who, who did they have? That Pedersen guy for a long time, mm-hmm. early 2010s. Um, then Jake Ferguson was the last great one. But Clay Cundiff is the – is he the next great one? Possibly. He's got the size to do it. Uh, moving the offensive line, very experienced. Tyler Beach, left guard, he's their, he's their vet. Definitely their leader. Um, Wisconsin, shockingly, always has good offensive line. They always they turn them out um, every year. Always good, good big farm boys. Um, key newcomers, Joe Bruner, borderline five-star offensive tackle. He's like six seven. Um, expect him to probably get in there because – you know, he's big and he's huge and you can't not put a talented guy on the field um, and get him experience. And then defense is where I think they're going to be good. Um, Nick Herbig leads the linebackers and he was third in the team in tackles last year. Um, the CJ gets, he's back. Um, he's kind of their fourth one last year. So they have a nice tandem there at linebacker. Um, and then their secondary is a little, a little new. Um, John Tortio, um, he started a little bit last year. He needs to step up back there. Is they're probably their most experienced guy that returns. They do bring in some guys via transfer. Um, Kamoy Latu, he's from Utah. Um, he had one start last year as a redshirt freshman um, for the Utes. And then Cedric Dort um, playing corner. He's a Kentucky transfer, so he's got the SEC bloodline there. And then Jay Shaw, definitely their biggest get in the portal by far. Um, second team all Pac-12 corner last year for UCLA. Probably going to be their best one, but 
Uh, we'll see what happens then. In the in the trenches there, Keanu Benton, um, I believe he's at Big Ten Media Days. He's a big fella. Him and Isaiah Mullins are the run stuffers in the middle. Um, then Curtis Neal's a three-star freshman. He's like 350. Um, we'll try to plug the middle. And they have a few linebackers. Um, Aiden Vaughn and then Austin Brown, two three-stars that look like they'll probably get some PT early. Um, special teams-wise, um, Andy Vujnevic, um averaged 46.4 yards per punt last season, so they have that locked up. And then Vito Calavruso and Jack Van Dyke are battling for their kicking spot, so we'll see what happens there. Strength of this football team, definitely the run game, the trenches, um, both sides of the ball, particularly offensive line. Expect a lot of three yards and a cloud of dust from the Badgers. Um, probably going to be more like six yards because Braylon's a beast. Uh, weakness is their pass game. They need to get this going or else it could be teams are just going to stack the box and Derek Groomers to beat him. I don't know if he can do that until proven otherwise. Um, so they need to improve that. Um, but getting to their schedule here, not, not an overly difficult non-con schedule, but, you know, I'll go to it here. Illinois State, definitely a win. And they play Washington State, who's obviously a Power 5 team. It's at home. Um, I would not expect Washington State to be a great team this year, but may, might give Wisconsin a little trouble. But I have Wisconsin winning that. Uh, then they play New Mexico State. Not, not going to have any trouble there. Then they have their first real test. They're going to Columbus. Um, definitely an L there. Then they play <coughs> Illinois at home, get a win. Then they go to Northwestern, have them winning that one. Then they go to East Lansing. Um, probably be a close, low-scoring game. Um, have the Spartans pulling that off um, for the Badgers' second loss there, and then play Purdue at home, have them win that, take their bye week, then they finish off um, playing home against Maryland, have them win that at Iowa, going to steal and want Kinnick to basically seal the West, um, and then beating Nebraska on the road and Minnesota at home in um, consecutive games there, which would make them 3-0 out of conference, 7-2, in the Big Ten, which is good for 10-2 and two overall, um, first in the Big Ten West, um, and I have them going to Pasadena for like the 30th time in a row. It seems like they're always in Pasadena. I am not nearly as bullish on Wisconsin. I have them, if you recall, in my West, even though I didn't do the full-on previews, um, in a four-way tie for second, going 5-4, and 3-0, and 5-4. Um, I have Iowa winning the West. Um They've got an interesting, the way that I broke down their schedule is they've got two ha- a tale of two seasons. They've got a pretty easy first half-ish. Um, South Dakota State, Iowa State, Nevada, at Rutgers, Michigan, at Illinois, I think that's six wins. They get a bye, something goes wrong, and then they're going to go loss, win, loss, win the rest of the way. Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. <coughs> I have Iowa winning the West again at 3-0, and 6-3, 9-4, and going to the uh, nine and four overall, meaning losing in the Big Ten championship game, uh, and going to the Citrus. Bowl. Can we rehash the West? Um, we'll do that in a second. Let me okay. let me give you my number one. Then then you can do rehash West. I'll do rehash East. All right. So no surprise if you've been following along. Um, last week I had in tied for third Michigan, and then I had second place Michigan State, pretty neck and neck there, um, just outside of the top. And number one, um, as has been for quite some time. The Ohio State Buckeyes, five-year trend, and these are just conference records, but 2017, 8-1. 2018, 8-1. 2019, 9-0. 2020, 6-0. 2021, 8-1. You're kind of get, getting a little bit of a trend there. Since 2000, as a fun fact, the Buckeyes have lost one 
or less conference games 17 times. 17 out of 22, they have lost none or only one conference game. Unbelievable. They were 3-5 and five in the transition year of 2011 when Luke Fickle was there between Trestle and Urban Meyer. They were 4-4 four and four back in 2004, 6-2 and two back in 2003, 5-3 in 2001 and 2000. So, you know, kind of as Trestle was getting up to speed after Cooper was run out, they were middling-ish, I guess, at 5-3, and 5-3, 6-2, 4-4. and four. Um, But then they went on a tear, and they've been gangbusters ever since. Unbelievable. And, oh, another fun fact, they have three three overall losing seasons since 1960. Wow. Love or hate Ohio State, you want to talk about consistency? Alabama can't even say that. Georgia can't say that. I don't know, without looking and having it in front of me, I don't know that anybody in America can say that they have only had three losing seasons in the last 62 years. Think about that. Unbelievable. All right, by way of summary, is there a more consistently explosive offensive team in all of college football since Urban Meyer took that traditional ground and pound out of the Buckeyes back in 2012? The defense showed some definite flaws in an otherwise outstanding 2021 campaign, but even that was likely just a blip on the radar. If the rest of the Big Ten and its fans can't admit it, I can. Ohio State is the gold standard. The closest thing to an SEC-esque program the league has, and perennially the best chance at a natty year in and year out. This team loses oodles of players to the NFL each year, and yet has a whole set of new guys poised to bust out. Sound familiar? Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. TOSU proves my point that champions are made in the second and third string. But what's really scary is only six Buckeyes got drafted this year. So how loaded are they? Several teams in the Big Ten can't com- can compete at the first level, the first string level, or at least hang around and make things is interesting. But no one in the Big Ten is even closer to being as roster loaded as the Scarlet and Gray. 2022 is more of the same with playmakers everywhere, a new defensive coordinator, and another Buckeyes squad with eyes on a national title. Oh, and yeah, they're a little bit pissed about that loss at Michigan last year. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Offensively, the Ohio State offense was the best in the nation last year. It finished number one in the nation in total offense, number one in scoring, number two in third down conversions, number three in passing. Michigan State got run over by the freight train, as did a lot of schools. Yes, it lost two amazing wideouts in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who went 10 and 11 in the draft, plus a very good starting tackle. And Petit Ferrer, and an underrated tight end in Jeremy Ruckert. So those are all offensive guys, and I think they had a seventh-round pick off the offensive line as well. But never fear, this squad is somehow more loaded than the one who shredded most of the defenses it faced last year. For starters, C.J. Stroud is back and is better than some of the most recent Ohio State greats, and there have been a lot of them. His touch, his accuracy, and his ability to work with a plethora of deadly wideouts puts him immediately in the Heisman picture. Look for Kyle McCord to get some run and blowouts, both in case Stroud goes down and, well, to season him for next year. It was supposed to be Quinn Ears, if you remember, left high school early, 
first million dollar baby, you know, that heir apparent, but he transferred home to Texas, who then went and landed Arch Manning. Kind of gets the Brennan thing, right? Wherever you go, you're going to get recruited over when you go to big school. But I digress. Stroud is the best of a very strong quarterback's corp in the Big Ten and should set records this year. Excuse me. The two deep at tailback looks set and quite dangerous as well. Travion Henderson, I believe, was like one of his first touches last year against Minnesota, housed it. He went over 1,200 yards as a true freshman. He's a beast. Mayan Williams is a downright bowling ball at 5'8", 225. He's a nice change of pace. Evan Pryor. He's hurt. Oh, is he? Williams is? Or Evan Pryor? Pryor's out? All right, well, that tells you I just did my homework yesterday. So, missed that. So, take that out of there. But knowing Ohio State, they'll find a third back somewhere, probably a freshman, somebody that we've never heard of because, as I said in my open, the great teams have two and three deep. Um, For most teams, losing two top 11 wide receivers to the league would be a rather hard pill to swallow. Um, yeah, did you see the Rose Bowl? Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. might somehow end up better than Olave and Wilson. Yes, better. Julian Fleming should round out the starters, and he was only the top receiver recruit back when he came out of high school. He's a junior now, and again, proof of the bide-your-time-then-rise-up approach that keeps Ohio State in the title thick every year. Plenty of good depth here, too, in Emeka Igbuka. Cameron Babb, Jaden Ballard, Cade Stover, and Joey Royer are looking to take Ruckert's spot at tight end, but there is plenty of depth there, too, with guys like Mitch Rossi and G. Scott there. So, again, three, four deep at places like crazy. They're just going to get these guys' experience early and look out. Maybe the weakness of the Bucks last year on offense-ish was the offensive line. Um, yeah, two guys got drafted, but it wasn't quite the usual dominant line we see in CBUS year after year. It was good, very good, but maybe not great, and honestly got exposed by Michigan's front last season. There are a lot of young guys here, so it may be a little bit of a work in progress, but it is mammoth with a 6'8", 360 right tackle in Elder Statesman, Dewan Jones at right tackle, 6'6", 315 junior Paris Johnson on the left side. I mean, those are two huge bookends. You got Remington candidate and sophomore center Luke Weipler, or Whipler, plus Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones. That's a great starting lineup. Um, this might be the second best line in the conference behind Michigan's. We talked about theirs last week. Defensively, an assessment of last year's defense is a depends who you ask type of deal. By some accounts, it wasn't that bad. By others, it was abysmal at best, at least by Ohio State standards. I'd say, realistically, somewhere in between. It definitely didn't hold serve to the juggernaut offense. And was it something to be relied on to stop teams, see Michigan game and Utah game in particular? Ohio State held its own getting to the passer and picking off passes. They were top five in the league in both, but it was middling at best in points allowed. Insert Jim Knowles, a guy who churned out top five run-stopping defenses in the league, the Big 12, not known for stopping a thing. If he makes this defense marginally better, look out. Ohio State loses one defensive player to the draft last year, Tariq Smith, defensive end, and is known to churn out high-quality pass rushers on that side of the ball. We know that NFL's loaded with these guys. Will that be senior Zach Harrison this year, sophomore Jack Sawyer, breakout sophomore JT I'm not even trying to pronounce his name, obviously, senior Javante Jean-Baptiste, there's a mix of budding youth and savvy vets, and my money is on Tiamolaua to be the next big defensive end. 
I don't think I, I probably butchered his name, so I apologize for that, Buckeyes fans. Inside, the Buckeyes are big. They're, they're experienced, and they rotate depth in um, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Tyrone Vincent, and Jaron Cage. All but one are north of 300 pounds. The one that's not as close to 300 pounds. And with a new run-stopping coach in play, look out. Uh, at linebacker, Ohio State is known over the years for great linebackers. Um, there's a ton of quality depth, and given the now familiar 4-2-5 scheme that so many run these days, it might be a question of who and when. Among some of the vets ready to step up and stand out, uh, my eyes are on C.J. Hicks. He's a KG freshman, kind of big, long, lanky, oozing with talent. Um, others include Eichenberg, Mitchell, Chambers, Carrico, and Simon. Um, this will be a fluid group with a chance to develop behind that solid front four in, in front of another OSU NFL factory, the secondary. Denzel Burke has a lockdown corner. His cornerback running mates are all over six feet tall, kind of becoming a common theme these days for DBs. Mel loves his guys over six feet tall. Ronnie Hickman is back at free safety, a.k.a. Ohio State calls it the bullet in their defense. And if he can stay healthy, Josh Proctor could be a star at strong safety. Tanner McAllister likely rounds up the starters back here as the nickel. Special teams-wise, I swear Ohio State always has um, two super seniors at starting kicker. I know super seniors are a more recent term, but they always seem to have a fifth-year senior. I, I don't know how, but they've got three scholarship place kickers. Three. Most programs have one, maybe two. Um, but how do you not pencil in incumbent Noah Ruggles as the guy? Jesse Mirko is another in the continuing recent line of great Aussie punters. Um, he's a king at switching up field position, which for a team like Ohio State isn't as important, but is important for everybody. Strength, offensive skill positions, bar none. I don't really see a way this offense isn't even better than last year's. Weakness, until proven otherwise, we'll say the ability of the Ohio State defense to make game-changing plays and keep points off the board is the weakness. Pick. Ohio State starts with a great opener, opening weekend. Notre Dame, great, great game right out of the gate. W. Arkansas State at home, win. Toledo at home, win. Rutgers at home, Wisconsin, sorry, at home, win. Rutgers at home, win. So five games in a row in Columbus to start the season, all wins. Go to Michigan State for their first big test of the season. I think Michigan State will put up, as we talked last week, more fight than they did last year, certainly, but I still think Ohio State sends a message and gets a good size win there. Um, they get a bye, and it's more of the same. Iowa, I think they're going to pound on Iowa, be one of the first teams uh, to hand Ohio, the, the first team to hand Iowa a loss in my book. Go to Penn State, which is always a tough game, a rivalry action there, but I think that they're going to, they're way outmatched Penn State. I think that's a win. I think they could absolutely set records, maybe put up 100 points at Northwestern. Yes, Northwestern's that bad. Indiana at home, Indiana can't beat Ohio State. They haven't beaten them in, I don't even know, since the 60s maybe. Not going to happen this year. Going to go to Maryland. Maryland is one of those games. I'll call Maryland the trap game. Why? Because they've got Michigan and payback and revenge and retribution the next week in mind. And Maryland usually plays Ohio State pretty tough at home. I think it was a few years ago, like maybe three or four years ago. Maryland yeah, almost overtime. beat them in overtime, right? So I think that's the one trip up game that I see potentially on, on Ohio State's schedule. Overall, mark it up. That's three and zero out of conference. That's nine and zero in the Big Ten. That's thirteen and zero, including winning the Big Ten championship. Um, they will definitely get in the CFP. Haven't looked at the big picture to see who gets in there, but you got to assume Alabama, Georgia, those are probably two teams that are definitely in play. Um, you know, maybe like an Oklahoma, maybe a USC, somebody like that rises up. Ohio State is a lock, in my opinion, for the CFP, and I think that they have 
got to have pretty close to, and I think the odds makers are saying they have the second best odds to win the national championship. Unless something dire goes wrong, I think that this is definitely a natty or bust year for Ohio State. I mean, they always want that, but I think really realistically, it's that kind of year for Ohio State this year. All right, and give us your recap of the West for our listeners who maybe haven't heard all of the picks. Yep, so uh, I had... Finishing in seventh place, I had Northwestern. I'm going four and eight, one and eight in the Big Ten, um, and then a tie for fifth place. So that'd be five and seven. Both teams three and six in the Big Ten: Illinois and Nebraska. Um, and then I believe I had the Gophers going five and four, eight and four um, overall there. Um, and then I had Purdue going at nine and three overall, six and three in the Big Ten. Um, same with Iowa. So the tie for second there. Uh, that means Minnesota would have been fourth, and Wisconsin, 10-2 uh, and two overall, 7-2 in the Big Ten. All right, and I had uh, Indiana finishing seventh in the Big Ten East, going 2-1 and one out of conference, 1-8 and eight for 3-9 and nine overall. Um, I had, I'm just going to go in, well, let's see, I won't go in alphabetical order as I can get my spreadsheet to behavior. Uh, sixth place, I had Rutgers um, going 2-1 and one out of conference, 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten for 4-8 and eight overall. Um, good for sixth place. No bowl game, obviously, with a losing record. Um, I had Maryland in their perennial spot, fifth place, going 3-0 out of conference, 3-6 in conference, squeezing into a bowl game at 6-6, six six, the quick lane bowl. From there, I had Penn State and Michigan tying for third. Penn State going 2-1, 6-3, 8-4, um, tie for third again, and going to the pinstripe bowl. I had Michigan going 3-0 against a cupcake of an out-of-conference record. 6-3 in the Big Ten, 9-3 overall, tied for third in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Michigan State in second, uh, 3-0 out-of-conference, 7-2 in conference, 10-2 overall, second place in a Rose Bowl bid. And then I have Ohio State, as we just said, uh, winning the whole Big Ten shebang and very likely uh, winning a national championship. There you have it. That is four weeks, I believe it has been, of intensive homework. Um, and hopefully, whether you agreed or not, you enjoyed learning a little bit about the teams, and you'll take that down to heart when you're watching your teams play here in just less than two, two weeks. All right, moving on to second down. We're going back to a bracket this week, but don't worry, we're going to keep in sports. No pulp. No pop culture. I got plenty of pop culture ideas, and maybe we'll bust it out next week. But bracket for this week. We're going to go best Big Ten quarterback this season. And I came up with 16 because obviously there's 14 starters, but there are two teams with potential co-starters that I factored into the mix as well. I will say this. I did not put anybody that's a transfer this year higher than a three seed. All right, so first bracket. You got number one seed and number one overall seed, C.J. Stroud, against Noah Vedrill. Stroud. <laughs> I mean, is it even close? Vedrill's got nice long hair. Yeah, he's got silky locks, right? Uh, and then you've got number two seed, maybe some would disagree with that, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota against Ryan's oh. favorite quarterback, number three seed, Spencer Petrus. Oh, from Iowa. I hate both of them. They both suck. Um, I guess Morgan sucks less. He can actually throw the football. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Morgan Morgan's as well. Bald. He's experienced. He's a six-year senior, I think, and a multi-year starter. Speaking of this, this is off topic, but I saw something. 
guy for Ohio State basketball, Seth Towns. He was a Harvard transfer. He's coming back to Ohio State this year for his seventh year of college. I hope he's going to med school. A lot of people go to school seven years. They're called well, doctors. Doctors. He's been hurt like 20 All right, I'm just going to jump the gun and assume you're picking Stroud over Morgan. Yeah. Because I am. All right, next bracket. Number one seed, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue against number four seed, don't call me Danny, Tommy DeVito. Former Syracuse guy, Illinois guy. O'Connell, I'm going to go O'Connell. Number two seed, Sean Clifford, the big red dog from Penn State against number three seed, Connor Bazelak, Missouri transfer for Indiana. Clifford sucks, but I'll have to go with him because I think the Bazelak guy is not that good either. Yeah, I got to go Clifford as well, and I'm gonna go. Penn I'm gonna go O'Connell. Penn State doesn't even want him there. Uh, yeah, I'll go with O'Connell. Yeah, Penn State well. doesn't have any other options. That well, the other guy, this freshman guy, six five, two forty, is a freshman. Number one seed, Cade McNamara, against number four seed Ryan Helinski. McNamara. Yep, I got to go with Cade as well. I mean, he led Michigan to thirteen and one, even though he shared the job. Speaking of which, number two seed Graham Mertz against number three seed J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, I think, is better than Mertz, but I put him at three because I said he's the second. He's the the or quarterback. Definitely McCarthy. McCarthy is terrible. Yeah, so I'll go McCarthy. I'm going to go agree with that, so we've got chalk between the two of us so far. So Cade or McCarthy? Cade, I think he should start. I agree. I agree. I said that last week. Which Um, I think leads to a McCarthy transfer. Um, yeah, they're going to platoon him, though. Is McNamara well, He's, he's going to get sick of playing musical chairs and be like, right. well, I don't want to freaking play. And making bonehead plays like the fumble against uh, Michigan State. All right, <laughs> last bracket, number one seed, Peyton Thorne against number four seed. Here's the second Rutgers quarterback, Gavin Wimsat. And if this tells you something, both Rutgers quarterbacks were four seeds. Yeah, PT. Yep, PT all the way. Um, and you got number two seed, Tolaya. Tolia, however you say his name, Tagovailoa against number three seed Texas transfer Nebraska quarterback. Is he an upgrade or not? Can he not turn the ball over? Let's go, Casey. I want an upgrade. Casey Thompson. Thompson. His dad played for some Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, I mean, he put up some pretty good numbers last year for Texas. I think he had 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I think Nebraska's cursed. I mean, if you're really looking at stats, Tua's brother is going to – rip it up. I mean, Maryland has a pretty easy out-of-conference schedule. He passed for a boatload of yards last year. He's got some good weapons, so I'm going to go with Tugavailoa. You're going to go with Casey. I'm going to go with PT. PT, PT, so we both have the same exact Final Four, and I believe they are all number one seeds, yes. Stroud against O'Connell. Stroud. Got to go with that, too. I... I hesitate a little bit on O'Connell. I mean, he had a great season He's last good, year, but are they going to figure it out? Are they going to figure him out? I, I just kind of wonder. Um, and then Thorne's you got, then you got Cade against PT. I agree. I think PT is better. better than Thorne. Yep. And Stroud's Stroud. going to be a top five pick and probably a Heisman finals again. So. Yep. I would 100% agree with that. So, had to, had to keep it recent. I know, Ryan, we talked about, you know, best Big Ten quarterback or best Michigan State linebacker or whatever, but I kept it. Big Ten to go to the Big Ten preview. So, there you have it. As I said in my preview anyway, unanimous number one quarterback in the Big Ten, C.J. Stroud. All right, <laughs> Ryan, you can start this part out third down. Mount Rushmore time has been a little while since we've had a Mount Rushmore. Craziest college football environments. Are you talking about having that you've been to or just in just your in opinion? Just in general. I mean, 
my opinion. I'm going to base mine off of what I've been to. I've never been, I haven't been to a lot, but I will go with one that I've been to first, and that's outs in the stadium. Small stadium, probably 50,000, maybe not even. Yeah, 55, I, I think. Def, 55, 60. Definitely. Metal overhang. Wisconsin, I think Washington has this too. You know, it's Pacific Northwest. It rains a lot. It was actually hotter than Hades it's that day. It's probably 100 degrees. 100 degrees. Ryan was puking because he was dehydrated. I didn't get him any food. We were running oh, late. It was a long trip. The coach's trophy was we there. sat like in the fifth row of the Oh, it was great. And then we so. sat in Peter Jacobson's suite. I'm going to try to keep mine different than yours, but that's a good thing. That was loud. Alpson was for a that was, stadium that saw, size. I wish I saw the video. I had the video for a while of them doing their Go Ducks cheer, and you could. It comes out on the motorcycle. And the thing is, is too, is talk about. Think about them. If you were in East Lansing last year for Michigan State, Michigan, and you think about how gridlocked and awful that traffic was, worse. it was worse somehow worse in Eugene. And Eugene, by the way, is in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I can't put them on, on my list, um, but I give Ryan credit because that is a fantastic place. I'm going to go with um, LSU Tiger Stadium. It was a 3.30 game that I went to. I had a field pass with a coach's trophy. I've gotten to go to some cool games because of that. Um, Leonard Fournette went off 200 and I don't even remember. I think it was north of 250 yards rushing against Auburn. And that place singing Colin Baton Rouge before the game, like everybody in unison, it was hot. It was, it was crazy, but that place was nuts. I can only imagine in a big night game, it would be off the charts even more. So I'm going with LSU as my first pick. I like it. I, I can't really, uh, the only other stadiums I've been to, I've been to Ohio, you don't have to pick one Ohio Stadium. I'm sure that could be up there, but I'll, I'll go somewhere outside of where I've been. We'll go. Um, we'll go with uh, Camp Randall. I feel like that they always sell out at Wisconsin. Yeah, the, the student, student section jump around, rocking, all that stuff. jump yeah. around. It's loud. Seems like it's loud. Um, another place that I firsthand experienced, um, though not with the coach's trophy. One, the first one was in 1993 when they should have tied for the national championship bar none, their first year in the Big Ten. And then the other one was a game that, surprisingly, not. Michigan State blew a late lead and lost on the last-second field goal, and that is Beaver Stadium, Penn State. Kind of a hodgepodge. Like, if you look at that place empty, you can see where they've added on and added on and added on. But this is before whiteout days. That place rocks. It reverberates off the mountains. I mean, it is crazy they have great tailgating food like chicken on a stick that had jeff on a latrine style military you know no no walls around him shitter and a rundown frat house and then having to go to the hospital on thanksgiving weekend on our first trip um crazy crazy place had some bad experience with the fans in the stadium got hit in the face with a uh, snow slash ice ball because i was cheering for michigan state in the in the penn state i think faculty section um, but generally speaking, met some great people in the tailgate, and the stadium atmosphere was off the hook for sure. Um, let's go with um, this is tough. Um, we'll say we'll say Bryant Denny. They always sell out that mofo. Alabama's amazing, even though they play like five cupcake home games every right. year. Yeah, yeah, that place looks Seems pretty, pretty crazy. unbelievable. They all wave their flag towels and sing Dixieland Delight and Sweet Home Alabama, all this junk. You know, and I know Chris would definitely disagree with me because he actually kind of, well, I don't, Ryan didn't know about this, but he sent me like a top 10 best stadiums or best places to play or whatever, and we were kind of debating it on text. Um, 
and he would disagree with this. Maybe it's tradition. I don't know. There's a lot. He came up with a ranking scale. This is just based on my experience, and I've had good luck as a Michigan State fan in this place as, as far as wins go. I think I've seen him lose maybe once or twice there, but that's Notre Dame Stadium. Obviously, a lot of tradition. You have the Golden Dome. You have Touchdown Jesus. Um, they get crazy for the Irish. You can just kind of feel that Rudy vibe to it. Um, you know, again, Michigan State was had like a ripped a run where they won like five games in a row on the road, and I happened to be at all of them in the late 90s, early 2000s, which was pretty damn sweet. Um, but there is definitely a mystique around Notre Dame. Is it the loudest place? No. Hudson's probably louder, to be honest. Um, but there's just an aura about it, whether you love Notre Dame, hate Notre Dame. Uh, maybe not the most rowdy or raucous, I would say. I mean, I think there's probably other plenty of other places that could lay claim to that. But for my money, um, it's one of the best atmospheres in college football, for sure. Yeah, that's. I've been there once, and we lost. They blew us out. I'll go... Um... A thing that's that uh, registers on the Richter scale, Lane Stadium, Virginia Tech. Isn't that that's in the mountains? Isn't it kind of? Yeah, I think kind of. Yeah, and, they, and they sell that place. Sandman, Inter been great the last few years, but they pack that place in, and it's loud, and they love football. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other places I've been. I mean, I'm going to keep Spartan Stadium out because obviously I'm biased. I've been to, you know, I don't even know how many games. Well over a hundred games in there. Um, and so, of course, I love that game day experience. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm sorry. It's a. It's not that loud. It's not that exciting. It's not that um, unique at Michigan. I'm just sorry. You can at me all you want. I, 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 the only reason that stadium somehow gets bigger every year is because they paint the numbers closer together on the seats. So I'm tossing that out. I've been to a fair amount of games there, including a Michigan-Ohio State game. Tossing that out. Um Let's see, where else in the Big Ten I've been? Northwestern, of course, you can't count that. Uh, I've been to South Carolina, which was pretty crazy. There was a big weather delay. It was a South Carolina-Georgia game, I believe, which was pretty epic. I would say anywhere in the SEC is good. South Carolina was good at the time. Um, that's right up there for places I've been. Austin, I would probably put in here if Ryan right, hadn't Ohio picked Stadium. it. I'd have to go with Ohio Stadium. I've been to uh, one game there. It was awesome. a, the coaches. Players are playing their tails off, and the coaches are screwed it up. John L. Smith game. I've actually been in that stadium presenting um, the Buckeyes with the coaches trophy back when I worked for Amway, and they we sponsored it, and they won the first time that we were the sponsor. Um, Ohio Stadium is a pretty raucous place, good tradition, red everywhere, scarlet as far as the eyes can see, crazy fans, knowledgeable fans. Michigan fans might want to disagree, and they have their own, you know, toe-to-toe, tete-to-tete. But um, I'm going to go with Ohio Stadium as my fourth pick. I like it. I've got some news for you. On, we're getting to golf now. All right, yeah. Um, let's go to fourth down in golf. How about this one? This just came out. The guy that writes for PJ Tour just um, tweeted this thir- 43 minutes ago. Today, Patrick Reed sued Brandel Chambly in Golf Channel for defamation in U.S. District Court claimed claiming calculated malicious attacks have had a direct effect on Mr. Reed's livelihood. The suit also claims the defendants are in cahoot with the tour to damage Live Golf. Where do these guys get off? Patrick Reed, you get, fat you You're not even one of the top no one 20 golfers this in This dude Live. finished 40th in an Asian tour event. He cheats? suck. And he said, he said that, the, that the PGA Tour and Brandel, whatever his name is, Same said that... Yeah told fans that they should heckle him and call him a cheater and it hurts his feelings. Well, then don't cheat. 
Don't mark your ball an inch ahead of the ball. Don't do the little things that you're not supposed to do when you think people aren't looking. Mm. Don't pitch. I mean, the dude does is estranged from his family. He's got like two friends in his life. So you know what? Kiss my ass, Reed. You, you're not even like in the top of the world golfers because you won a Masters. That gives you the right to think you're all this great. I'm sorry. Lots of guys. Jordan Spieth comes to mind. Kind of flame out after some time before they should. You're just another story of that. Maybe go on a diet. Maybe lose a few pounds. I'll hurt your feelings. Come on over here. Let's have a conversation. Nobody likes you. Take your ball and go home. Yep, I'm bullying you right out of the live tour. I don't even want you on the live tour. Actually, I do because I want you out of my face. And stop. You know you're not going to win the other suit that you and Philly Boy and everybody else sued for because that's backfiring on you because let's just get right into live. With Cam Smith likely coming over, and all I mean, it's been rumored for a while, but it's sounding even more imminent after the FedEx playoffs if he even finishes out. Um, where does your how, what leg do you stand on to say that PGA has such a monopoly and players can't earn and they can't you know they can't have their opportunity to earn their plenty of guys and top players in the world are going over to live and they're making money and they're competing or I wouldn't call it competing they're playing golf for a lot of money, for shits and gigs, basically. 54 holes, shotgun starts, blah, 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 blah. I think Cam Smith going, and if anybody else goes, a buddy of mine at work today said maybe Patrick Cantlay next. Guess what? Cam Smith is literally the only player I care about on that live tour that has gone. Everybody else is either a complete dud, a complete jackass, or so full of themselves that I don't like them anymore. I'm talking about you, Phil. So the live tour can suck a big one. Um... You want to live on your own, not, no pun intended, go. Be what you want to be. You want to take some players from the PGA? Fine. You know what? The PGA will figure it out um, as long as the guys band together. I think there was some super secret player meetings, what, like yeah, today, today or so? Yeah, Tiger was flying Tiger in was for flying it. in for it and, you know, ways yeah. to kind of combat it. Again, I think that this will it'll peter itself out in a couple of years. It's still big news. I'll at least give David Faraday credit. Because he fessed, up. he fessed up and he said what it is. Look, I got paid a lot of money and I got a chance to be lead analyst. Okay. Nobody else is fessing up to it. Why else would you go to this tour than all the money? Why? If you're a competitor, what are you competing against? You don't miss cuts. You don't get world ranking points. You only play 54 holes. Hell, Ryan and I could play 54 holes easy in a weekend. Jeez, if that kind of money I could go play, I could shoot a, you know, three one hundreds and I can make one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's almost more money than I make in a year anyway. Like, I mean, cry me a river. You're not gaining fans by suing and and by Patrick defamation of character. No, Patrick, it's called an opinion, and somebody might have an opinion that doesn't match yours. It's kind of like all these libs that run our country and and the pronoun people and everybody else oh i'm offended because you don't agree with my opinion i don't give a you know what if i agree with your opinion you don't agree with mine i don't agree with yours and this is exactly the case with reed you need to shut up a judge needs to laugh at him wad up the the whatever the paperwork for this and throw it back in his face and tell him get out of here go play putt putt golf go play whatever go you know piss off everybody go cheat you probably can get away with cheating more than live tour because nobody's watching it on youtube and nobody's going to call him on it so you know what? You don't want to get heckled. You just got a bunch of drunk fans or there, you know, whatever. Get out of here, Reed. Get out of here. Live the live thing is not going to die. The best thing for the PGA is that they only have two weeks left because then hopefully it'll stop getting talked about because everybody and their brother 
is going to be one to talk about football all the time, all day, all night. And they already kind of are anyway. Um, but let's move then to the FedEx. The St. Jude was great. Yeah, great, great to see Willie. one of the better tournaments all year. Yeah, and great to see Willie Z get that first win. You know, he's been kind of snake bit, made a couple of clutch putts. Water was hot. Um, that finish, though, if you – how the ball, how his ball, now he had to take a penalty anyway, but how his ball does not go in the water on the third playoff hole is me. defies all physics and gravity. I, I, I don't even understand how that happened. But, you know, I felt bad for the big Austrian Georgia Bulldog, Sep. Sep. He's a likable dude. He's a big dude. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been mad if he won, but I was really happy for Willie because even though it seems like he, he was five years in the making, it was only his second year on tour. Um, he's been so close, and he finally cracked through and jaunted all the way up to a spot that, for a while, people thought Scheffler would have such a stranglehold on it. Nobody could come close. Well, Willie took that spot now. So, makes the BMW. <laughs> That's this weekend, right? The BMW. Yep. At Interesting. Cam Smith out with a hip injury. We'll see what that means for how far he drops. I don't think he'll drop far, but he's currently in third spot. So, he still has a legit chance to win you know, the, the FedEx Cup. So is he truly injured? Is this a live play? There's lots of talk back and forth. I don't know. Um, we're down to 70, right? 70 guys. 70 guys. Um, so it'll be an interesting tournament. This is the tur- Is this the tournament last year? Yeah, that Finau finally he, cracked, broke through and won, no, right? No, he won the... the oh, the first one Barclays last year. Barclays yeah, or whatever Barclays, it was. Which didn't exist. Yeah, which is now... Because St. Jude wasn't a cup uh, playoff last right. year. So... BMW was the Bryson and um, oh, and can't lay back and forth. Five hole playoffs, That's right. going back and forth. I like um, for this one. I'm gonna go. I, boy, it's hard to bet against him because he shot so many. What did he shoot? Like twelve runs in a row under sixty eight, Ryan, or something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tony Finau. And man, I I gotta think Scheffler gets. I picked him last week. I think, and he didn't make the cut. But I, I think he's kind of been. Not playing that great. I think uh, I'm going to pick him um, to kind of rise up and, and play well this week. Two guys for me. John Rahm finished great yesterday. Yep. Finally kind of broke that slump he's had all year. And my man, Colin Morkow, he's number 20 in the fast cup right, right now. Too, yeah. Apparently, according to sources, which is himself, his cut is bad. He's not hitting that stupid draw anymore. His natural cut with his iron back, he went back to his traditional putting grip. He's back. He's going to win. Yeah, I and think his course is... Perfect for his ball striking. And the, th- this is where, you know, really starts to get good because these are like the creme de la creme of the season and all yeah, this, this is the top guys, minus the Jack Wads that left for the live tour. Who cares, no about, cares them? about them? Anymore. All right, so we got St. Jude, we got BMW, we got our live griping out of the way. Question I've seen this one on TikTok a little bit lately. And we kind of do this in the fall, we call it the leaf rule. So the question that's being posed by a couple of these golf TikTokers is why can't amateurs have what we call the gallery rule? Meaning you're out playing with your buddies, you know, maybe the rough is fairly thick. You hit it, you clearly saw it land, your buddies saw it land, you know that it's not in the woods, it's not in the water, it's not out of play. You just can't find it. The rough swallowed it up. I don't know, maybe it went down a snake hole, a gopher hole, a rabbit hole. You know, but you're clearly not in the long grass. We're talking about you're just like in the, you know, third cut or whatever, the the thicker stuff. So if you play like at a country club regularly, that can happen. And that, by the way, is the area that get the leaves. Are you okay with agreeing before a round 
on a gallery ball rule, meaning if you hit it where a gallery would be, the the point is is that in a PGA tournament, you'd have a million people over there, A, that you probably would have hit, like the guy who hit, hit and went in his cup holder yeah. um, at the St. Jude, but to help you find your ball or it would be impossible to not find it. So we run into this a fair amount where you're like, what the hell, I know that yeah, it's in this it's area. What what's your thoughts on that for amateurs? The gallery. Right? I don't I don't mind it. I've never really thought of it, but it's not bad. I and I mean, I think it's got to be mutually agreed on that. That did not, you know, probably aren't going to want to do it if you're doing it situation by situation, playing for a lot of money. Ryan and I don't, but I think like he and I could agree that you know what, just drop one there because I don't know where the heck it went. Unless we're both totally blind or whatever. I would say if you both or your foursome agrees on it, depending on the stakes in the match and whatever, obviously not in a sanctioned event. You can't do it. But to me, it's the same as the leaf rule. We play that in the fall in Michigan. If you hit it uh, into the rough and you hit it in the leaves and you can't find it and you can you know reasonably within like 99% that it's not in the woods um, where you might actually have a better chance to find it, to be honest, then we play the leaf rule where it sucks to lose a 3 or $4 golf ball, but at least you can right. throw down can... and play it. So I would be a fan of the gallery rule. And I think it would also potentially speed up play a little bit. Because if you typically, if you stick to the actual three minutes of searching time, and you can agree going in, like, look, we both saw where this went. We both had a good line on it. Let's agree now before we kind of do this three-minute look. If we don't find it, this is where it can be dropped. Agree where it can be dropped or whatever. Right. I have zero issues with that. I'm all for anything to speed up the pace of play. Um, because this weekend played a course we haven't played in a while, or at least I haven't played in probably Links. 15 years. Links at Bowen Lake, nice little course northeast of Grand Rapids. Uh, reasonable, 55 bucks, challenging course. Um, but a couple of groups ahead of us, a threesome that was nauseatingly slow. It was it like a four and a half hour round? So it wasn't awful, but it was one of those things where we easily probably would have played in sub four if not for that one three and a threesome. You know, and it was the threesome that was holding people up because it was a twosome in front of them. So anything that improved pace of play, I'm all for. All right. Anything else for golf from you? No. No. All right. Moving on to our sprint for the week. Sprint one. Does any, <coughs> excuse me, does anyone outside of Ohio State have a legitimate playoff shot in the Big Ten? No. Yeah, I agree. Truly. No. no. I mean, you saw it last year, Michigan rose up. You saw it, you know, in 2015, Michigan State rose up. Not that that couldn't happen, but I would say really, truly, legitimately at this point, knowing what we do, no. It's Ohio State or bust. Sprint two, best Big Ten quarterback of your lifetime. Big Ten, any any school. Mm. It's hard without giving you a little Jeez. heads up on that. But. Uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's a good, he was a one year he guy, right? He, he was he was really good, man. There have been a lot. I like, you know, yeah, I date back to the seventies. So you got like Michigan quarterbacks who I grew up watching. You had some great Michigan State quarterbacks, great Ohio State quarterbacks, Drew Brees. I mean, tons of guys. I'm gonna go with a guy who didn't even play that position in the NFL, but is currently a wide receivers coach and was a great wide receiver. Probably the most electric quarterback I ever saw. And on a, he made a bad Indiana team competitive and fun to watch and good, and that's Antoine Randall. I like it. He was he's probably the best quarterback that I can remember watching. That I just was like, wow, in awe. Of. Did guys have better arms? Sure. Were guys better quarterbacks 
like Tom Brady or whatever when it came to the NFL. Sure, but let's be honest, Tom Brady was eh at Michigan. He wasn't what he is now. So anybody who wants to claim, oh, Tom Brady, no, he wasn't. He split time with Drew Hinson. Drew Brees would probably be my second best quarterback that I saw or that I've seen in my lifetime in the Big Ten. He just had total command. Again, for, for an otherwise pretty average team, took him to the Rose Bowl. All right, sprint three. Team you previewed, so out of the West, and thought, you know, have earmarked for being pretty good, but could honestly end up being a huge bust. Purdue. Purdue, Purdue yeah. I would agree with that. For me, I, I would say Penn State, just enough questions in certain spots. Um, I just, I, I don't think Franklin's that good of a coach. He's not a good coach. I think they're more likely to bust than Michigan State or Michigan is. Um, Ohio State's not going to bust, and Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana already aren't very good, so I'm going Penn State. And here's one for the listener, so less for us. Who should we get our MSU coverage fix from since it's obvious after I've peppered them with emails and gotten no response, even though they claim they'll respond within 24 hours from The Athletic, they're not going to hire a beat writer. Michigan still has their beat writer in Austin Meeks. The Big Ten, I don't know about I think Ohio State is a beat writer. I don't know if Wisconsin does. Michigan State's getting zero coverage on The Athletic. I want to get my money back. Who should Ryan and I subscribe to, like paid subscription, to get our Michigan State fix? 24-7, Rivals, um, SpartanMag.com. You tell us, not going to go to the Freep or the... M Live or whatever they make you pay for their content. M Live is not terrible. No, but I mean that's like a newspaper no. you should yeah. be able to get without yeah, having exactly. to pay for. That's horseshit. So, uh, yeah, you tell us. Either tweet at Ryan on our final score if we still have that, or that text us or or something like where what where should we invest our money to get our Michigan State fix uh, for football and basketball? All right, Ryan, hit us up with the socials. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we want to try to grow that thing. We'll start producing more content. Um, once football season comes, probably some more TikToks. Maybe we'll post some tailgate videos. I'll give you a sneak peek. Um, I don't know. What do you, tell us what you want to hear. Um, you know, football season coming up. Definitely going to do a Lions preview here coming up. But um, other than that, we're, we can, you know, throw some new topics in there and whatnot. So, but I appreciate you guys listening. Shout out Team Andrews Realty. Um, go to them. They're the best in, in, the, in the area. Yeah, if you've got West Michigan Realty Needs, teamanders.com, they will take care of you. They're great realtors, but they're also amazing people. Uh, they will be your friends for life. Go that way. Meantime, never forget that anticipation is an important part of life. Work's important, the family's important, but without excitement, you have nothing. You're cheating yourself if you refuse to enjoy what's coming. College football's here. 11 days.